0: Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And
1: I am Pastor Dina.
0: And this week we're going to be taking a deeper dive into Romans 5, uh, specifically verses 1 through 11. We're going to be talking about a difficult subject. We're going to be talking a little bit about suffering here uh, and what we do with suffering as Christians. And um, Pastor Dina, what what struck you in this week's sermon and and this week's passage and and discussion?
1: Yeah this this was a a rich passage. There was a lot of of points in it, but as you said, the the one of the primary things to come out of it was suffering, and I feel like we're just really bad at dealing with suffering as Christians. We don't know what to do with it. We're not good at it. And so we try to rationalize our way out of it. We try to silver lining or toxic positivity our way out of it. And But at some point it all comes crashing down and you can't put platitudes on it anymore. And we have to figure out what in the world suffering means for us in our Christian life today, post-resurrection, pre Jesus coming back to make it all right. Like how do we make sense of it right here right now? And one question I wrote down after the sermon on Sunday is how do we anchor when we're we're in the midst of suffering or we're walking through suffering with other people? How do we anchor our identity in Christ? And not in being the one who fixes, because that can feel really good to be the one that mm. that makes it better or provides or takes care of all the things. I know I tend to to fall into that, like, oh, you're upset. I can, I will do what I can to help. I will make food. I will make plans. I'll do whatever.
0: Yeah, bit um, of a Martha.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard that before. But you know, how do we anchor I- our identity in Christ and not in what we can do and not in the way someone else responds? to us or to the the help we're offering or even even the truth of the gospel that we're offering, but how do we continue to remain connected to Christ even in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of, of somebody who may for a period of time say, No, thank you. I'm I'm out. Like if this is how God's gonna treat me, nope.
0: That's a fantastic question because It's such a natural reaction. It's almost like when you you hit the the thing in your knee. Like, we we just kind of kick right away when we see someone suffering. Um, I've seen this a lot. Um, I I didn't bring this up in any of the prior um, discussions about this passage. But, you know, so my dad passed when I was six. My mom had cancer then when I was 10. And so I have, over the course of my life, I've had a lot of people... Look at me when, because they'll ask something about my parents, and, and mm-hmm. even in recent years now, especially, because everyone assumes I'm, I'll be turning forty this year. Everyone just kind of assumes that I have parents, mm-hmm. uh, and that's understandable because most forty-year-olds do. Um, and the way that people react when I'm, I'm sorry, my mom passed a few years ago, my dad passed back in nineteen ninety. You can see the the like the the dinner plate eyes yeah. like oh shoot yeah. <laughs> like this is really uncomfortable now um, and of course I've had uh, I've had you know thirty some years uh, to to become more comfortable with my dad's passing and and about five years now to be comfortable with my mom's passing but it's really really evident that we don't do suffering well because. Um, the vast majority of people, because of the way I see reactions in people, they, they tense up, they clam up, and, and they go to—usually the. the usually it's, you know, the, I'm so sorry, uh, and he, what happened, and then they're like, wait, what? <laughs> and, yeah. And it, they, they don't know what to do with all that.
1: Yeah, I, we are not well-equipped to deal with tragedy, with other people's brokenness. And I think this past Sunday when you were preaching this was Mother's Day, but that's kind of a great example because especially in in recent years, we just don't know how to treat Mother's Day. It's a day that's so fraught with emotion for so many people and we want to celebrate the mothers, but we acknowledge that not all relationships are what people want them to be. And I think that gets that same kind of saucer-eyed look like what do you mean your relationship with your mother it doesn't look like a hallmark card well, It doesn't <laughs> um and that's not me i mean i'm very fortunate to have a good relationship but when when people have not been able to become mothers when they want to right all these things and so we just don't know what to do with the the stress of the day the the struggle the the suffering that it it can bring and i think that's even true for people who are caught in between they are they are mothers but they're missing their own mother or or whatever and so we kinda of default to flowers. Okay, happy. But we don't <laughs> give people tools to unpack all that all that relationships mean and all that suffering means. We you know, we often think about suffering in terms of the big tragedies that we hear, death, um tragic illness, that kind of thing. But, but suffering comes in so many forms Yes. and we just don't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, we, it's difficult because we live in a first world country. We live in a place where so many people can actually be experiencing suffering, but say, you know what? I was born in America. I have, you know, X, Y, Z, I, drive my car to work every day so therefore i should not suffer um and and we forget that that you know i don't think i said this well maybe i did but said this clear enough but part of the problem is we don't integrate suffering into our thought as a natural part of life we view it as an aberration on this world and when you look at the world from a from a um like a Genesis 2 point of view. Yeah, suffering is an aberration, but it's natural to a broken world. Mm -hmm. And so the question is not whether we, you know, we should, whether we should do something with suffering. It's how do we deal with suffering? And and I think most of us are are still just thinking, how can I avoid it at all costs?
1: Yeah, how can I avoid it or how can I make up for it? And I think we see that, in the way we treat children from the time they're really small, your ice cream fell down, I'll get you a new one. You broke your toy, we'll pick out a new one. You're sad about this, we'll do this other thing instead that that we're not very good at sitting in the discomfort that, that loss or broken expectations or questions can bring. We're just not very good at acknowledging, yeah, this is sad. And I'm sorry things aren't going the way that you wanted them to. Or I'm sorry that, that you're brokenhearted about this. And, and certainly different things bring different degrees of suffering. But I think we're kind of across the board. We're so quick to try to skip over that suffering. To skip to a lesson or to skip to the next thing that brings us joy instead of just saying, yeah, this is really hard, and it feels like a really big thing right now.
0: And I think that's one of the ways that we can actually have a very, very powerful witness, witness by living out what Paul is saying here. You know, I phrased it that that hope reframes our suffering. You know, mm-hmm. right now we framed it as this bad thing that should be avoided at all costs. Paul doesn't say, well, suffering is a good thing. He doesn't say it that way, but he says that, that suffering... Out of suffering, God is able to produce things that give Him glory and that that work to our benefit. Um, and so He's He's not going so far as saying, "Look for suffering," but what He's saying is, when we encounter suffering, you know, don't go looking for the trouble. But when we encounter suffering, there is hope. And so when we encountered it, encounter it, we don't need to have that that clammy like, "Oh shoot, how do I get out of this situation." but to embrace that moment and understand that that Christ in his wisdom somehow redeems it, even if we don't know how that's going, but it, that it is able to produce, as he puts, um, perseverance, um, which is something we don't have a lot of, as we've just been saying. I mean, yeah. that's really what we're saying. We don't yeah. have a lot of per- perseverance for for suffering.
1: Yeah, I think the term I've heard most recently in... In circles, resilience, I would say the same kind of thing. Like, we're, we don't have a lot of, of resilience.
0: Yes. Uh, I was just at a, a pastor's conference up in Shenango Presbytery with Todd Bolsinger, and he spoke on his book, Tempered Resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's part of what we uh, call it. Grit is another thing that we might yeah. call it. Um, uh, but that, that perseverance then produces character. And so, like... And and character hope and and we talked about in the Sunday school class that we really want to line jump on that on those words you know yeah. okay let's go straight from the suffering to the hope <laughs> yeah and we miss what's in between and really Paul is not talking about a you know a quick you know you know lightning quick succession here we might be in that suffering for quite some time
1: yeah and and I think I had mentioned. It- in the Sunday school class too, it's not necessarily linear either. Like, Oh, I found the hope in this situation. Okay. I'm good. I've processed through it. I'm done that. You know, as we, as we continue to grow, as we continue to grieve different things, different people, and then get thrust back into that grief, that, that it's not a linear thing that, that sometimes we're right back in the suffering. Sometimes we're in the character building phase and sometimes it's really clear and easy to see the hope and thank God for those times because for me, that's what, that's what sustains me through the, the times when it's harder to see. And, and I know I had mentioned before, too, that that's, what, that's part of what I love about the Old Testament, particularly in the Bible. They're constantly rehearsing all the things God had done before, all the places mm-hmm. where they saw God working, all the places where they saw hope. In an effort to get them through this particular time, where that hope was really hard to find.
0: Yes, and that's true. They, they the number of times Israel rehearses its its Exodus story mm-hmm. uh, as a means of of grounding them in in God's identity, not in their own, but in in who God is, who Yahweh was to them, and and will be again. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the the one of the the areas that does us a disservice when it comes to suffering. Um, is actually corporate America, and and I don't normally talk about things like that, but um, uh, you know I was reading, you know, good nighttime reading. I was reading a a, a teacher's contract <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> and um, I noticed that that for immediate family, uh, that this contract provided for three days off, and for for not immediate family, uh, but still relatives, it was one day. I thought, wow. That's that's really something. We expect people to experience a death, to process it, and to be back on their game in three days. Like, I only know one person who's yeah. dealt with death in three days. Yeah. Um, and he thinks he's God.
1: Oh, there's that.
0: <laughs> but, but really, you know, there's... And so baked into that is a message of you need to have this done.
1: Yeah. And even the way we have have commercialized funerals and and all the things that come around death and even illness it doesn't give us the space to to process through it whereas our ancestors were the ones with a body were the ones that were were you know it was it was in their house they had to confront it they had to deal with it and now everything is so separate and so quick and so clinical that I think, I mean, there are some good things about that too. I'm not saying we should necessarily go back, but I, I do think, like you said, that, that, that corporate kind of model that, that get through these next three, day, three days, kind of model has done us a disservice because then we get to the end of it and are still just a mess, but everything else at least seems to have gone back to normal, whether it has or not. Um, the, the perception is, I've got to get on with life. I've got, to, I've got to keep living. I've got to keep being strong. And we're not good at saying, it's okay to not be strong. It, like, this is a hard thing. And so if you're feeling a mess, that's okay. You can be a mess. You're allowed to be a mess. God is, I try to remind people when I pray in worship, like, God is big enough to hold all these things. God isn't scared away when we're a mess. Yes. And isn't surprised by the fact that wear a mess. correct? Either.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wait, you were suffering.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you were going to be upset about that.
0: Yeah, so uh, there are a couple of thoughts going through my head a- about this, and and I can hear some of my um, some of my friends who are in the corporate world saying, "Well, that that's all nice and well, Pastor James, but I have a I have a business to run, yeah, and I can't give people four years off for for the death of yeah. of someone, and that's true, um and and I hear that, um but I think there are ways that we implement implement policies, I think there are ways then that as Christians we can operate in the work, in the realm of of work, in a corporation that humanizes those things that say, you know, as a believer we can say, if we we are fortunate enough to be a manager we can look and say, listen, the policy says you're going to be back here in three days, but I know full well you are not going to be back here in -hmm. three days. Not mentally. Your body might be here. But understand that that i know that this takes time and i am so sorry for your loss uh i'm going to be sensitive and and we're going to try to let grace drive this and because in the long run i mean do we really want to beat people down have them push their their feelings down or relegate it to you know uh you know when you're when you walk in the door everything's okay that's not who we are as people. We're an integrated whole soul, mind, body.
1: Right. And that sort of perspective just leads to a whole list of other troublesome coping strategies. Yes. Everything from from different substances to unhealthy behaviors to feeling stuck, you know, having to be productive. All right, I have to be productive when I'm at work. I have to be on. I have to be over this, which means... When I'm at home, I can't process through anything at all. And so now I'm just stuck. Yes. The, you know.
0: We talked uh, in the Sunday school class about the one thing Job's uh, Job's friends did right. If you read the book of Job, it's all about suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that they did right, and I think this is the other thing that we can take out of that really well, is the fact that that when suffering comes to people, it, you know, we might not have the ability to be a manager. But if we are in relationship at the baseline with people, then we are able to be present with them and sit in that suffering with them. Now that requires us to not, to try to not fix it.
1: Yeah. Which is, is a hard thing to do because our first instinct, one of our first instincts is always let me know if there's anything I can do to help. Meanwhile, the person who's suffering doesn't know which end is up. They don't even know what they, they need. And but we want to do something to fix it. And I'm not saying to not look for ways to serve that, you know, sometimes there's blessing in in showing up with a meal or a gift card or hey, I mowed your grass. Maybe you didn't need me to do it. Maybe it didn't even cross your mind, but it's one less thing, you know, cross it off your list for a few days. So, I think as with so many things, there is a tension of of serving and being the hands and feet of Christ, but realizing that our serving isn't enough that we have to sit with people and, and be willing to be uncomfortable because their suffering makes us uncomfortable. It reminds us that suffering isn't that far off that, that, Hmm. that it could, it could be coming for me too, in a, in a real way that, you know, today it's you who is suffering this tremendous loss tomorrow. It might be me. This is a scary, uncomfortable thing to do. To deal with, um, but but that that sense of presence, that sense of, of praying with and helping i I think helping people name the fact that this is hard and not having to be okay, you know something else we talked about ahead of time, you know when you go to a funeral or a viewing, and no one knows what to say, and everyone's uncomfortable, you know, we say, How are you doing? I'm fine, I'm hanging in there, I'm staying strong. Well, why?" Let it be okay that, that this is terrible and I'm falling apart. That's okay. Be, I think one of the best things we can do as believers is to be the person with whom someone can fall apart and, yes. and we can sit there and we can sustain that without falling apart ourselves too.
0: And, and you brought up the fact that, that this is something that requires our identity to be squ- found squarely in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because if we take on an identity of a repairer or a restorer in some of those situations, now, th- some areas that's okay. Like, I, I talked in the Sunday school class about the fact that I am a restorer. I like mm-hmm. to tr- fix broken things. Um, but we have to be careful that we don't overplay our hand, that we know the limits of, our own mortality of Mm -hmm. our own fallen abilities because in situations of of true suffering often that is is something that can only be redeemed by christ and in a way that we really don't know how that's going to happen
1: yeah and may never understand on this side of heaven how that's going to happen some things just are never going to make sense why why young children get terminal illnesses why terrible accidents happen, why, you know, if, if the car had just been coming two seconds earlier or two seconds later, it would have changed the entire picture. Like, some of those things we just can't make sense of because they're just tragic, a result of the fact that we live in a world where things are broken. As you said, you know, we're not Genesis 2, we're Genesis 3, and, and we're still living the results of that even even if it's not it definitely is not a one-to-one kind of thing it's not as if well I sinned and so this suffering is because of my sin but suffering in general is because we live in a world in general where brokenness carries the day
0: yes and so what you're pointing out is the fact that that uh, when it comes to to suffering, the symptom isn't the disease. Sinfulness yeah. is the disease. Um, sins are and suffering are are symptoms uh, of that. And so, you know, there's instances actually where Jesus, of course, gets questioned about that too. Who who sinned? This man or his parents?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh. Uh, you know, yeah. and he kind of rejects that line of thinking. Um, it, sin you know, there's, like you said, there's not a one-to-one correlation, and and it's, and and even in Job, Job's friends tried to say, you know, I don't know anyone righteous who suffers, so you must have done something, so fess up.
1: Yeah, and again, that, I think that's a way that we try to rationalize suffering, and if I can come up with a, a, a one-to-one correlation, if you got sick because you ate this way, or you didn't ex- exercise, if you if this happened because of this, then, whew, I don't do those things, so this kind of suffering can't hit me, and it truly is the, the ones where we can't come up with some sort of explanation that, that rock us.
0: And we can now provide an answer. Yeah. Just do X, and right. this suffering will go away. It's not that simple.
1: No, no, and I think, as we've talked in the past podcasts and past sermons about works righteousness and and that it's that same and i would bring in the prosperity gospel that that reinstates that same kind of thing just follow these steps and you'll be spared this tragedy you know, do exactly these things eat these things exercise in this way drive in this way and and you'll be okay if you just follow these steps the prosperity gospel you know just believe enough pray hard enough say these exact right prayers in the exact right way and God's going to give you every blessing and you won't have to suffer. And it's, it's false. It's like flat out garbage.
0: Because if, if that were true, we, we talked about, if that were true then it would be all the, the really wicked people that that would be getting cancer and would have random accidents and so on and so forth, but that's not the way the w- the world works. No, um, it, that's not a, a, an accurate reflection of 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 reality and of of what the theological arc of the of scripture is. Um, it acknowledges that it's a broken world where really unfair things happen, where wicked people get really rich and really powerful, yeah, uh, and where really good people get trampled upon. Um, and so our job is to be the light of Christ in those situations. And sometimes the light of Christ in the dark, in the darkness is saying it is dark. Mm -hmm. You're not misunderstanding the reality here. Yeah. Um, and saying, I don't know how it'll be fixed. Yeah. But I'll be with you until it is. And, And that's, that's a powerful, powerful, um, Presence to people, um, people you know, you, people know that that you can't fix death, that you can't fix lost jobs, that you can't fix broken relationships, but they know that that if they know that you're going to be there and that they are not alone, that that speaks volumes about the presence of God, then in their life as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's true for the big ways we suffer with with grief and death and loss and and illness but also in the little day-to-day ways that we we suffer and we struggle in parenting in in working in leading a church in leading in being friends just to hear those words like yeah this is hard that's it end of sentence not trying to say just wait until this next stage or you're going to miss this someday or if only you do this but just to acknowledge there are certain parts of life that are just hard and messy and unclear. To me, there's tremendous comfort in that because then it, it, it's okay to not feel like you have it together. Because I think so often when we face struggling, especially as people of faith, when we face suffering as people of faith, and then our hearts are broken and we, we do have all these questions for God and we're not exactly sure where in the world the hope that Paul talks about is, and we think, but man, I'm not, I'm not supposed to do that. Like, I'm supposed to have hope. I'm supposed to, to trust enough. And now not only am I suffering, but I'm feeling extra bad because I think I'm not doing it right. And so I wonder if, if part of sitting with people, like I said, is just giving permission to say, yeah, it's okay to say to God, where in the world are you? Because I'm not sure. I mean, we have, we have examples of that in Scripture. We have examples of that throughout. That doesn't mean that our faith isn't strong. It just means that, that in this moment, we're, we can't make sense of things from our finite, earthly perspective.
0: Right. Right. And, and that's it, it, one of the things that you said there struck me in that we are, it's, it's like we're trying to find affirmation from God in, in in something in ourselves, but as as Paul talks in Romans five here, the affirmation of God's love for us is not found in 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 our circumstance, but it is found in the fact that that God has poured out His love into our hearts through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and He points that out in the in the six through eight section where He, he talks about you know you see at the just the right time when we were so powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Uh, one of the little things that that um, that I didn't go into in the sermon was this dying for the virtuous versus dying for the impious, mm-hmm. uh, or the, the not virtuous. And so what, what Paul is saying is there, there is the fact that Jesus didn't come when we were at our best, you know, we didn't get all of our stuff together and Jesus was like, Oh, I can come now. Um, Like you you hit the requisite amount, you hit 70%, you're at a passing grade or whatnot. No, Jesus came to us in the middle of our sinfulness. And so it's, you know, this is, uh, in my notes, the thing that I compared it to was like, you know, okay, some people will die for a great leader or they will die for a, 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 a commander who has been good with them. But this isn't that. Mm-hmm. Paul is talking about dying for the heroin addict or dying for the compulsive liar or for the thief or the, th- the murderer. Yeah. While they are still thick in that life. Like if that doesn't say, I am going to give all to pull you from where you are, then we don't have a conception really of what God's love is.
1: Yeah. I know I had written down... You had said something to the effect of the sign of God's love isn't what's happening right now. And you kind of use that to say, like, suffering in this life isn't a reflection of, of God's love and care for us right now. Like, the, the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were still sinners, 2,000 years ago, Christ died for us. That, that the sign of God's love happened 2,000 years ago. And so it's not... It's not as though an absence of suffering means that we're, we're extra blessed by God or that, that that's God's approval in our lives. And the sign of and, and the presence of suffering doesn't mean that God that we don't have God's approval, that we don't have God's love. Like we already got that. And now we're just living in this already not yet time where we have proof of God's love, we have that hope, but we're not yet living in the reality. Of that that and you know and the reality of it that is pictured so beautifully in, in Revelation 21, when we talk about a time where this hope will be realized mm. and there'll be no more tears and there'll be no more sin and war and disaster and struggle, it's a beautiful picture that we long for. like that is the hope that that suffering produces um, and and sometimes it's easier to cling to than others.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, boy, there was a thought that came. Oh, I know what the, the thought was. Uh, I, I Some of my, my Sunday <laughs> foibles of my brain are, are carrying over into Tuesday. Um, but, uh, you know, we're Presbyterian pastors, uh, you know, done a number of funerals. And one of the most difficult things that I've watched is someone trying to do the eulogy of someone they didn't like. Yeah. I have seen that. I, have you seen those, those moments?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or where, there, yeah, where there's less virtuous characteristics that, that existed in a person's life. And you're kind of like, I don't know what to do with this.
0: I... <laughs> exactly. And, and, and so in my mind, there's a comparison there. Like if we struggle to even talk about someone who was bad, what the scripture is saying is it, Jesus didn't just give us a good eulogy. He he gave himself and, and like to, so that we could be made righteous. And like it, it, it's a, it's a funny little thing and it's, it's probably just really pastor specific, but you know, if, if we've seen this where people can muster up some half decent words at the funeral of someone who maybe was a scoundrel or, or yeah. you know, whatnot that, that Jesus giving his entire life and doing it freely and without having to say, well, you know, he was not bad at getting dressed in the morning. You know, (laughs) (laughs) he really made sure his hair was combed every, you know, you know, something like that. Then, then we can really understand the depth of Christ's love for us. And what can allow us then to encounter suffering in a way that um, shouldn't make us awkward. Um, It will still make us feel bad, but we know that we can rest in the fact that we had no clue how Jesus was going to save us, but he did it. And we have no idea how Jesus is going to redeem this moment, but he will. And that's his job. But my job is just to simply be here with you right now Mm -hmm. and sit in the ashes and mourn.
1: Yeah. And that, that's holy work. It's hard work. Yes. It's holy and good. And, and I think a challenge, especially to, to those of us who are doers, who would much rather make a meal or pick up the pieces and, and try to keep things moving forward. I think it, it's a, it's a caution to say, slow down. We don't have like this, this can't be fixed and we don't even have to pretend to try that that we can we can slow down and just be in this moment and acknowledge that it's a terrible hard moment. But somehow, even if we can't feel it, even if it's super dark and the light is like miles and miles off, we know that God hasn't left us in the midst of that. And that I mean, that is the promise that we have through Christ. That is the promise that we have through the empty tomb, that that the the suffering that that death Brings the suffering that that all these hard things that life throws at us bring do not have the final word, even if it feels like that for a period of time.
0: Yeah, and it's going to it's going to look different at different life stages and mm-hmm. at different stages of maturity as well. Um, the fact that Paul says that that um, you know we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. You know that's going to look different at uh, in the lives of someone who is in the life of someone who is 18 versus the life of someone who is 40 versus the life of someone who is 80. Um, it, you know, the things that, that register in our lives as suffering are going to be different. And, and so we want to be sensitive to those things because while, you know, the, those of us who are 40 may have gone past, you know, some of the things that are 18, we, we shouldn't discredit the impact in someone's life even if we know that in 20 years it might seem trivial.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course there'll be other girlfriends or boyfriends, there'll be other jobs, there'll be other teams, there'll be other friends, but but right now in a, in the life of a middle schooler if they're the one friend that didn't make the team, it really stinks and it's okay to acknowledge that that like certainly as as adults we we have a wider perspective, but we're not doing any favors to say suck it up. Suck it up because <laughs> You know, because ten years from now this won't matter as much, but but right now it matters. Right now it matters when you're the the one girl that didn't get asked to prom. Right now it matters that you're the one student who failed the the test and doesn't get to to move on to the next class or or whatever you know whatever the thing is that you're the one student who everyone seems to be gossiping about or sharing your secret or or whatever um, that again it, we keep coming back to this idea that to to slow down and just sit in the suffering and to be okay with being uncomfortable acknowledging that it's it's not always going to feel like this like it, everything won't hurt the way it does right this very moment and i think that's that's our point when we try to say there are other fish in the sea or whatever that you know you're not always going to be a broken mess the way you are right this moment but i think we need to give people permission to say but for now it's okay it's okay that you're broken and then you know when i see it becoming unhealthy when you know if if you start witnessing somebody go into some of these other coping mechanisms that are not healthy that's when you say okay you know now we're going to we're going to concentrate on what's ahead of us and and try to to move past this broken place where we are but but again that leads into the discernment that we talked about last week and and the discipleship and the relationship that that come out of being together as the body of Christ
0: yeah yeah that's that's a good word we We want to be uh discerning mm-hmm. about those situations because we can inflict more harm in those situations. you know the the uh even in, uh, dealing with situations like parenting, oh, you're going to miss these years. Well, I'm sure I will at some point, but right now. If I could just get this life under control, I'd be really happy. Thanks.
1: Yeah. If I could just sleep through the night or, you know, not have baby food on all my laundry or not be driving 400 different places every night after school, I'll be okay. I might miss it. I may. But right now, this is really hard.
0: Yes. Yes. Today is not that day. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Today, I just want, you know, two hours of uninterrupted time where no one's asking me to, to get a snack.
0: Yeah. Um, because we want to acknowledge that, that, that this life impacts people and it has a cumulative effect. And when we don't help people to, um, navigate the effect of the brokenness of this world, it will come out sideways. And it, and if we do it in the name of Christ, then we, then we make the name of Christ look bad Yeah. and ineffective.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so many people have left the church over bad theology like this you know god only takes the strong ones or god needed another angel and that's why this young kid died of cancer no no, that's that's gross and yucky exactly <laughs> that's not the kind of god that i want to serve correct that, that's just randomly going mm, i'll take that one you know that one looks good i'll i'll throw this family into chaos just for funsies you know
0: no. yeah it's it's far it's capricious like the the ancient greek gods uh, yeah. of mythology um
1: and that actually that brings me to the, the very last thing I have written down um is that like we we serve a god who knows what it means to suffer christ knows what it means to suffer christ experienced all of the suffering that that we do
0: and more and
1: more between You know, even, even thinking about the, you know, the silly parenting things, but the disciples were a pain too. You know, Hey (laughs) Jesus, Hey Jesus, like I just want 10 minutes. Leave me alone.
0: Jesus, there are more people to heal. This is amazing.
1: Yeah. Are we there yet? I asked you to stay awake. Could you not even stay awake? One thing. I asked you to do one thing. So we have this God who understands in ways that we can't even fathom what we're going through. And I think to me, that brings a sense of peace that even when I can't make sense of everything i i worship a god i love a god and i'm loved by a god who knows exactly where i am and isn't going to turn away from me because i'm in that spot and can be patient with me until until such a time when i can see the hope that paul says is coming as a result of the struggles and the trials and the suffering of this world
0: that's 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 a faith that that and that's a, that's a reality that can bring honor to Christ because then we aren't trying to just paper it over. Mm-hmm. I remember the the last thing that I wanted to, to comment on that um, is it was very helpful my, in my pastoral ministry class in seminary. Um, the professor who has become a mentor to me uh, told all, all of us, you know, remember, an impression without an expression leads to a depression. Mm-hmm. And if we don't allow people to process um the impressions onto their life, uh, to give it word, to give it an, an expression, then it's going to negatively affect them somehow. Um, and so we want to help with that. And if you aren't sure, come talk to those of us who sit with people, um, who have sat in, in people's, um, you know, rooms as they've passed. And, and it, it, cause you know, I'm happy to share those experiences and, and mm-hmm. I, I have no fear of being awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am quite good at it, actually. yeah, I excel at it <laughs> um, but uh if we don't give expression to those things and help them give expression to those things and sit with them as they give expressions to those things, then uh, then we are it's it it's almost like malpractice mm-hmm. um, and and we need to recognize that and and so you know we can look at suffering. We can look at difficulty, as Paul says, with a different eye than someone who has no faith, because we know that while we cannot fix it, that Christ can and will on His time, even if we have no idea what that looks like. But we can sit with people in the suffering, and that we can we can be okay with it, and not try to to balance it like an equation. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, because the equation is never going to balance this side of heaven in a way that we can make sense of. Yeah. And I think when we when we try, that's when we get into problems of of who God is and and what kind of God would allow this or that. And and so I think if we can st- take a step back and trust that that God's heart breaks with ours in suffering, that God understands suffering right along with us, and that somehow God will redeem the suffering, then we can, we can kind of separate what God let happen or made happen or however you want to phrase that from, from where we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's in that way that then we allow people to mature. Mm -hmm. If we never deal with the suffering, if we never confront it, we never mature and it is possible. And, and sadly, you know, I've seen it in instances where people can go a lifetime and, never mature spiritually or emotionally to the point where they can deal even with minor setbacks. Mm-hmm. And it's a tragedy. Um they, they, they people tend to be miserable then. Yeah. Um and that's not what we're called to in this life.
1: No. No, I and I think of other places where you know the joy of the Lord is our strength. Like that that hope, that joy is what carries us through the difficult times. Not that we have to be happy that they happened or joyful in the midst of them. But that, that deep-seated, that, that that hope and joy that comes from maturity is what is going to make the difference between me curling up and never moving past <laughs> this terrible thing or living in a, li- a life of, of witness to what, what God can do, even with the suffering and the way that God can carry us, even when the worst happens.
0: And, and that could be a whole other... Podcast episode where we talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Yeah, because yeah. they are they are
1: totally different, things.
0: totally different things. Um, so, but uh, anything else on on your list for this week that we didn't?
1: No, I think we covered enough heavy hard things for today. Yeah, I
0: I felt kind of badly about like dropping suffering on people on Mother's <laughs> yeah. Day, um, and, and I would have felt bad about dropping suffering on them. At any point, but we've got to deal with that, and we've got to confront it. And, and the scripture addresses it, and I am really glad this text was in the narrative lectionary for this week. And so, hopefully, we can we can, as a result, grow yeah. uh, more into Christlikeness.
1: Yeah, and hopefully, if you are one of the people that that struggles with Mother's Day for whatever reason, it, it brought you comfort to to know you don't. It's okay to suffer suffer even on this day that is supposed to be happy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've come to our time. So if you have found this episode helpful, would you please leave a rating and review and share it with others so that they can discover the hope of Christ and, and hopefully some depth of insight into scriptures uh, so they can help, uh, uh, we can help other people you know, understand that the fullness of life that comes in Christ. Also click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast that way anytime a new episode drops because we haven't been as consistent and summer is coming. and yeah. that will be a, a model of inconsistency that whenever new podcast uh, episodes are dropped that you can get those automatically. We really appreciate it. Uh, until next time, we really hope you uh, hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James
1: and I'm Pastor Dina.
0: have a great day.